You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to episode 24 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholz. Now, sadly, this week I'm not joined by either Tom Hiscott or James Healy. I've given them both the week off. Well, you could say that they've been rained off, I suppose. But we've still got a podcast for you. And on this week's podcast, we hear from Phil Hucker, a Western League man raising money for motor neurons disease. And just in case it had slipped your attention, and there's been quite a lot of games called off recently, so I thought it would be a good idea for us to get George McCaffrey on, our league fixture secretary, to talk about where the bad weather postponements have left the Western League fixture list. Now, before we get into this week's interviews, let's celebrate our team of the week, Wincanton Town. Uh, Not only were they at the races, um, but they were the only team to get a game on uh, this weekend, even though I'm sure the ground was soft. Now, that's quite an achievement for a club that, of course, has spent so much time away from their home. So I think hats off to everybody at Wincanton and enjoy your time in the sun, if that's not a bad analogy. Anyway, he who laughs last laughs loudest and the wise men of Wincanton would have been wetting themselves, pardon the pun, uh, with this 2-0 win over Portis Head. Goals either side of half time. Firstly from Daniel Wise and then a second half strike from substitute Thomas Frampton uh, sent the home fans home happy. Uh, Not forgetting a penalty save from Wasps keeper Nathan Ball. That win moves Wincanton up to sixth place in the first division table. Now for our interviews. Our first interview then is with Phil Hucker, a man synonymous with football in Cheddar. But it's not about football that we're really going to be talking about. It's going to be motor neurons disease. I started off my interview with Phil by asking him about his involvement with the Toolstation Western League. Yeah, good afternoon, Ian, um, and thanks for having me on, firstly. Um, my history is a, um, back in the early 90s, I was involved with Tiverton Town in the um, Western League. Um, and then I dropped out of football for a few years and I got back involved with Cheddar Football Club. Uh, most recently, I was um, assistant manager with Sean Potter when we um, unfortunately missed out on promotion on the points per game that season. Um, I have two lads that actually play for Cheddar Football Club, so I've, um, I'm an active supporter of Cheddar and I watch um, several Western League games and talk to lots of managers within the game. Excellent stuff. And... Um, um, I- I know that you're doing some fundraising for the Derby Rimmer MND Foundation. Can you tell us how that came about? I have two friends that are um, very close friends that are suffering from MND. MND. Um, Both are at different stages, Um, one of them being the ex-professional footballer Marcus Stewart and um, a local person called Carol Hooper, who is a wife of um, an ex-Western League referee called Rob. Um, Rob served on the Western League for 10 years and... um, Carol was a very keen sports lady. She played hockey for Cheddar in the surrounding area. So um, basically I decided that I'd like to raise some money for this cause. So um, I joined Team Stewart, which is Marcus Stewart's team, which is part of the Derby Rimmer Foundation. Um, And this foundation provides much-needed support to families, and it raises awareness um, to people that suffer from this terrible disease. Now, I'm sure that there are many people who are listening to this who are familiar with the term MND, not least because of the uh, publicity that um, um, very high-profile um, individuals like Marcus Stewart and, of course, um, Rob Burrow and um, Doddy Weir, the late Doddy Weir, have, have given this. But um, j- just for those people who perhaps who are, who are less familiar, we're talking about motor neurons disease, aren't we, Phil? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how this manifests itself? 
I mean, motor neuron disease is a rare condition that damages parts of the nervous system, which leads basically to muscle, muscle wastage. So um, it is a terrible disease, and, the, and there's no cure as yet for it. So by raising the awareness and raising money to help find a cure will eventually, ho- hopefully, um, help lots and lots of people and families. And your way of raising awareness and raising money for this is to, is to join in, in uh, this winter walk, isn't it? Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, like I said earlier, I was trying to um, think of what I could do. So I joined Team Stuart, and one of the um, activities they're taking part in is um, doing a London Winter Challenge Walk, which is a half marathon in, in um, London. And it's um, basically you start at the Oval and you walk up the Thames, cross over the um, bridges and back to the Oval. So it's, um, it's 13 miles in total. And it's anticipated not just for motor neurone, but on the day there'll be 3,500 people walking either a half marathon, four marathon, 10K to raise money for, for charities. And that, that walk's taking um, place later this month, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the 29th of January. Um, what I've done was I basically, um, I thought about doing it myself, and then I, I approached Rob, Rob Hooper and his daughter Joanna um, to see if they, firstly, if they minded that I involved Carol in the, um, in the activity, and secondly, would there be anybody wishing to take part? Well, they both went away and had a chat about it with their respective families, and... Um, well, the interest in family and friends is um is incredible. We um we've got now Joanna, the daughter, set up a group called the Somerset Striders, of which 15 people from Cheddar and the surrounding areas will be going to London on the Saturday the 28th, ready to walk at nine o'clock on Sunday the 29th for the half marathon. Uh, that's absolutely fantastic, Phil. And I guess one of the most important reasons um, that you know, we should be raising money for organisations like Derby Rimmer. Um, is actually that the support that they that they can provide the families of people suffering from MND? Because I know that's a really part of that's a really important part of why you, of why you want to raise the profile of this issue. Yeah, it's it's huge for the families. Um, the families suffer along with the um, with the patients. So by raising awareness and you know providing support wherever we can is, is really really vital and very very important to, to to family and friends so it's um something that is very very close to our hearts and how's the fundraising been going how much um support have you received so far well it's been incredible both um joanna and myself and particularly the families have, are, are overcome with generosity um we set out hopefully to raise you know 1500 2000 pounds and the money started coming in so um currently we've um We've raised around about £5,000, which is um, absolutely incredible. That is absolutely fantastic, um, Phil. And I'm, I'm hoping that there are going to be people listening to this who want to get behind you, not just obviously people in and around the Cheddar area. This is an, an issue that you know, has, it knows no geographical boundaries. So really, um, across the Western League and beyond, where can people go to support your fundraising? Well, what, what we've decided, we're hoping to raise £6,000, which is, which is a huge sum of money. So anybody, any support anybody can give is very much appreciated. Um, we have a Just Giving page, which is www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash phil-hucker, where people can donate. Um, and as I said earlier, it is, it's all about raising awareness. And um, since I've actually mentioned to people and asked people to sponsor um, the, the amount of people that are suffering in this area alone 
is, is incredible. Um, I was talking to one of your um, colleagues, um, Dave Bramner, and I understand that someone in his village is suffering from open urine disease. So, you know, where, where we might think it's, it's not near us, it is quite close to us. So um, it's very, very important that we, um, we raise the awareness. And as I said earlier, if there's any football clubs out there or any individuals who wish to donate, however much, large or small, it will be very, very much appreciated and it will go a long, long way to finding a cure for this terrible disease. Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. Um, the very best of luck with your fundraising. It's a really important cause, and, and, and please go to London knowing that not just the people of Cheddar, but also the Tool Station Western League are right behind you. Yeah, well, thanks, um, Ian, for having me, and I really appreciate it. And, um, and let's hope we can get some football back on and the weather clears up and we can get back to what we love doing on a Saturday afternoon. Well, I've got a sneaking suspicion that you'll be walking whether the, whether the streets are flooded, icy... What, no matter what the condition, I, I don't think this is going to be something that the weather's not going to stop you raising money for this for this cause. No, no, we're we're really up for it, and um, we are. Um, I think some people are watching games on the Saturday before travelling up on the um, on the Saturday evening before we, you know we all meet up and and then go off on the Sunday. So um, thank you very much, Ian. If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a Tool Station near you. Now, regular listeners will be familiar with our fixture secretary, George McCaffrey, as he's been on the podcast many times. Given the weather disruption we've been experiencing in recent weeks, I thought it would be a good idea to get George on so he can tell us what these many postponements will mean for our fixture schedule. Now, whilst most of us were twiddling our thumbs on Saturday with no football to watch or play, George was glued to a smoking laptop trying to make sense of where these matches could be fitted in. And that's where I started our conversation, talking about George's busy weekend. Yeah, I was very pleased to see that uh, Wincanton managed to get their game on. So that was one I didn't have to move. But yes, we lost all of the others. But more importantly, of course, the um, we lost the three Vars games, Buckland, Bridgewater and Clevedon. And of course, they've been moved to next Saturday, which means... There's another three games there that have to be moved. Um, so, yeah, the, it was a bit of a nightmare. But again, we've had good responses from the clubs. Um, some clubs have agreed to switch fixtures because their ground's going to be playable, whereas their opponents isn't. And if that's possible, we'll do that. And uh, we did it this weekend. So that's, that's really helpful. Um, but we've had to move other games so that um, we could get the long-distance games done on a Saturday. And that's been the ultimate aim. But unfortunately, um, there's four or five clubs now that have no more spare Saturdays and no more local clubs, as it were. And that's sort of within 60, 70 miles that I can move to a midweek so that I can facilitate a long-distance journey. So unfortunately... Um, if we do get any more postponements, we are going to have to have some long-distance midweek games, something that we've fought very hard. But we've lost six weeks of football, really. Um, fortunately, we were able to get New Year's Monday in, 
for quite a few clubs, but we did lose games before New Year and we've lost two or three since the New Year. So it's tough for some clubs because they haven't played football for quite a while. Well, it's funny you should say that because actually I've been reflecting on my own sort of um, attendance at games and I, I can't, I honestly can't remember, can't remember the last time I went to a game, but it has been a while because actually we had problems in December, didn't we? So, yeah, so we I mean, did. when we're, when we're looking at from your end of the computer, when you're trying to deal with the fixtures, this, this storm, this tsunami, how long has it actually been growing for? It, it's been growing since um, that first heavy rain in uh, the second week of December, really. Um, but we've we've coped with it because we had those spare Saturdays that we've had available because of what we did earlier on in the season. And the clubs have got to be congratulated for that. But it's important that the supporters and the clubs know that the potential for going midweek long distance is just around the corner if we're not careful. And when we talk about midweek long distance, obviously we're really concentrating on the Premier Division. Yeah. Does that mean that the fixture situation in the First Division isn't as bad? It isn't because sort of the longest distance is really, if you look at it, Bishop's Lydiard up to um, Titherington Rocks, really. That's the longest distance. You know, we've probably got clubs doing local derbies for that distance. They're doing midweek travel. So in comparison, the First Division isn't um, problematical there are problems and but we work with the clubs as we always do to try and ensure that we can meet their requirements if they have any so how does our situation compare with that in other leagues at steps five and six i suppose step five is really the critical one i'd love to say oh i've done a comparison but i have to say i haven't had the time Um, but you can look at their tables and you can see Comparatively, we've played probably more than some. Yeah, I think that other people are hurting just the way that we are. The biggest concern that nobody else has are these long-distance potential midweek travel. Some that we've fought for the past two years to try and prevent, um, but it, it is going to happen if we get more postponements. But it is fair to say that in terms of the geographical travel, our Step 5 has got the greatest footprint in the country. Oh, by far. When it first occurred, the restructure, I did a quick comparison and the majority of the leagues do not have clubs separated for more than 100 miles. There's maybe one or two that had 110 miles, whereas we've got clubs in excess of 210 miles apart. Now, we're going to look ahead because we've got to be realistic. That's one of the reasons we're going to have this conversation is, you know, where do we think we're going to go from here? But actually, if we take a moment to look back, because this isn't the first time we've had you on this season, a lot of clubs and supporters will be very conscious that that, that we've been playing the hokey-cokey with fixtures for quite some time. Fixtures have been being moved around. Now, I know we're used to that in terms of the VARs, but I know that actually right from the start of this season, it's this situation, isn't it, that, mm. that made you want to take every opportunity that presented itself, particularly for that long-distance travel? Yeah, absolutely. We needed to create those spaces to move the games into, which is what we've been doing. Uh, having said that, I think we've got a couple of clubs that have still got two or three spare Saturdays, but that's because either they 
the games they've not been involved in haven't been postponed or, you know, they they uh, got the games in earlier in the season. So, um, so we do have the two extremes where we've got no Saturdays left and we've got two or three Saturdays spare. You know, we are in the hands of the gods, certainly the weather gods, and hopefully we can get the games in this weekend. So if we look ahead then, not just yep. to this weekend, but the, you know, because the, the, we're not even in February yet, <clears throat> and that's um, not exactly the that's not exactly the warmest of months. There's two sides to this equation, isn't there? Because I know that that this situation, we all want the season to finish, and we perhaps we'll have a chat about how the FA feel about all of this. We all want to get our fixtures in. We, we you know we've had COVID that's that's eradicated seasons from the record, and we we don't want to see that again. So we want games played, and I know you want games played because, of course, you've got the headache working with the club secretaries, fixture secretaries, to try and rearrange these fixtures. Equally, there's another side of the equation. If a pitch isn't playable, it's not playable. Mm. In some cases, it can be dangerous. Mm. In other cases, there's a financial impact to games being called off, whether it's programmes, food, beer, sales, you know, um, secondary spend, all that sort of business. Lots of different people looking at this situation from lots of different um, perspectives. Going forward with the bad weather, I've seen other leagues have called matches off as early as possible, perhaps to try and give clubs an opportunity to to limit the impact of that of the financial consequence of a game going. I mean, where do we stand on that? I was informed that you pushed out what we call our protocol to uh, on the social media a few weeks ago, and and to me that that was important. What we have now is. We have the clubs talking to each other the week before the game. If, let's say, for instance, they're looking at this Saturday and um, their pitch is still very muddy, still got water on it, and now it's frozen. So they've got concerns. So they'll be talking to their opponents. They'll be talking to the match referee and they'll be talking to the league. On Friday, which is the earliest that we can ever get involved with regards to a fixture, is that um, the match referee can actually do a pitch inspection on the Friday. And he can speak to us, and if we've got a severe weather warning in place, then we can postpone the game, as we did last weekend for two games. We postponed them on the Friday. Again, especially with the long-distance games, if we can, with the clubs talking to each other, if there's a potential for that game to go ahead, we've got to try and play it. And so last weekend, we had some very, very early calls. And I mean, five past seven in the morning, postponing a game because they knew what time their opponents were leaving because that had all been arranged, that critical time. And obviously, I am aware that perhaps some spectators may have decided to go down the day before. or I just can't account for that. I've got to try and get these games in. So I will try and play it, but we'll also make the decision to postpone it before that critical departure time. However, we're still in the vagaries of the weather, and it could be that, like it was earlier in the season, the pitch is playable at 9 o'clock in the morning, and off they set. And then at 10 o'clock, the heavens open, we have a monsoon, and all of a sudden it's a swimming pool again. So we have to stop the club travelling, and then return them home. Um, That's unfortunate. It's not something we want to do, but we've got to try and get these games on when we can. And uh, unfortunately, we do get caught out like that. But the easiest thing in the world is to go, oh, the weather doesn't look too good. Let's let's cancel all the games tomorrow and 
and everybody sit at home on the Friday, made decisions, and we, okay. And then you go, okay, well, that's fine. Well, when do we send Mausel up to Cadbury Heath then? Oh, that's on a Tuesday. So are the supporters really going to want to do that? And so that's why we've done all this work to try and prevent it. But unfortunately, because of these six weeks of postponements, we've just been bitten and there's just no more flexibility. The consequence to calling games off yeah. is that they have to be rescheduled. Mm-hmm. And we are up against a hard end date for our season, which means that as far as I can see, the only con- the consequence, be it unintended or otherwise, of this is that clubs will be playing three, potentially more games a week. Yeah. If yeah. And again, whilst we've been struggling and working very hard to get the games the long distance games in on a Saturday. Now I'm working really hard to prevent clubs having to play Tuesday, Thursday. Um, And so that's my next worry. And to achieve that, then we will possibly, depending if we get postponements this weekend, have to arrange long distance midweek travel. Are are we at a stage now where there, there are clubs in the Western League that will have to play three games a week? No, but we do have clubs that only have two, three or four midweek dates available. So if we have a postponement because of the weather or we have a postponement because of a county cup fixture, then those games have to be rescheduled. And if I've only got two or three spots, I've also got to make sure that their opponents are available on those two or three weeks as well. And if they aren't, then where do I put it? I'm watching it very carefully. I've got plans in place. I've got lots of ideas. And I talk to the clubs all the time, the the secretaries, and say, look, if this happens, this is what I'll do. If this happens, we'll try this. What are your thoughts? What, you know, and so we just try and work together as best as we can. So the situation is that at the moment, we aren't at the doomsday scenario, but if we get another couple of bad weekends over the next couple of months, and bearing in mind we are speaking in the middle of January, Mm -hmm. we will be in a situation where either some or most could find themselves having to play three games a week, certainly in the Premier Division. Yeah, I wouldn't say most, but there's a high possibility that some clubs will end up having to play three times a week. And that's not something we relish, um, but it's that hard end date that you mentioned. And for those who don't know, the season has to finish on the 22nd. Obviously, on the 22nd, our champions will be promoted to the Southern League. Our runners-up will potentially have to enter into a playoff um, against a Southern League side, and that will take place on the 29th. So unless the FA move that, um, and they're very reluctant in previous years to do that, um, then we have to finish on the 22nd to ensure that our league table's in place so we know who is going to go into that playoff position. And I must add that it's not mandatory that it will be a playoff because like last year, we got the automatic promotion for both Tavistock and Exmouth because they didn't need to enter the playoffs. So, yeah. 
fingers crossed. Yeah, I suppose that adds another vagary to it, though, doesn't it? Because it because it, it, it could work in one of two ways. And also, it strikes me that perhaps understanding how the rest of the pyramid is affected by the bad weather is actually going to be quite important to us in the ne- in the event we needed to make a case to the FA. Mm-hmm. Because if we were outliers, if, if the rest of the, the National League system was done and dusted and it was only us that were in a position to potentially hold up that playoff, mm-hmm. it's going to make it much less likely that the FA are going to give us any wriggle room and we will be back in the sort of the, the, the disastrous situation we found ourselves in a few years ago with Buckland playing all of those games in yeah. such a short period of time. Yeah, and for those who don't know what the Buckland scenario was, it was 10 games in 12 days, including the Les Phillips Cup final, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, it's not something that we want to go into and certainly um, with the club secretaries that I've been talking to, I've been making them very aware of this. To their credit, virtually every single one of them said, yes, we've already discussed this within the club, the committee and the management, and we've spoken that, you know, there's a risk there. So they are monitoring it very carefully as well. So we're all working together. Nobody is really throwing rocks and trying to cause problems. You know, they're all working together. So, I, you know, I thank all the clubs for that. I'm glad you you said that, George, because I know you wanted it. I don't. I'd like to finish this interview on a positive note because this has all been a bit doom and gloom. But there's a really good reason for why I wanted to make this a stark conversation because I don't want people to be under any illusions as the scale of the challenge that we face and actually what it's going to mean going into the last few months of the season. It could mean that players are playing a lot, fans are going to be, you know wondering why there's so many games for them to go yeah. and watch and all that sort of stuff. And volunteers, of course, are going to have to work as well. But I think it is important to work um, to finish on a positive note. And I know from our conversations off air that, you know, that the fixture secretaries have been working with you on this. And I know that you, you did want to give them your thanks. And, um, um, and this is the opportunity yeah. to do that. Not just the fixture secretary. Who is it who's out there in the rain and wind? getting your pitch ready because I have to say they're working extremely hard at the moment and if you are a supporter have you volunteered have you said can I come down and help because you know if you can get a dozen people out there with a fork you know you can get rid of that standing water quite quickly you know so it, it is it's very much everybody lend a hand where you can you know because Volunteers are important to clubs and they relish people knocking on the door saying, how can I help? You know, because you'll be welcomed, you know, and uh, I would encourage any of your listeners, if they've got the time to volunteer at their local club. It quite literally is all hands to the pumps. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) George, thank you so much for your time. Uh, It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Hopefully the next time we can have a much, much more positive conversation because I don't think it can get any more gloomy at the moment. Yeah. Thanks for your time, listeners, as always. Uh, I'm hoping Tom will be back next week with his Western League bulletin and we'll have some football to talk about. But until then, you've been listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast.